Turn in your Bibles to Esther chapter 9. Esther chapter 9. We're continuing, of course, our study of Esther. We're almost to the end. We've got just a couple more messages after this. We're seeing God's providence and power and protection and provision for His people. And we see what God does. It's clearly that God's in control. In fact, what's so amazing is God is complete control, but He's never mentioned in the book. And yet you can see it, and you can see how it goes. This morning we call it D-Day or Decree Day. Two decrees. If you, if you notice, one, one decree brings death to the Jews, the other brings life to the Jews. Basically, that's what it is. One decree says the Jews are all to be killed on the 13th day of the 12th month. The other decree says the Jews can defend themselves and fight against their enemies on that same day. As we look at this passage, let me tell you several things to be thinking about, okay? Here's number one. We want to talk about the faithfulness of God. And God is faithful. We see it all the way through the book, and we see it in our lives. Second, we're going to talk about prayer, about bringing our request to God, because we're going to see what Esther does as she comes back to the king, and we'll just use that to kind of as a picture there. And then, standing for what is right. I just want you to think about, as we go out these doors, and we try to live in a fallen world, do we stand for what's right? Do we live for what's right? And why do we do that? There's, there's some great things. We'll see it as we think about uh, D-Day, the decree day. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it be great if you were going like to a sporting event and it's like our team and we want them to win? And wouldn't it be great to know already that we're going to win regardless? Have you ever like, you know, recorded a game or something and you went to the game and then we won and you came home and you said, I want to see that again. And, and you're watching it and it's like a certain time and we're behind and you go, I'm not even worried because we're going to win. I know. I know what's going to happen, right? Well, I remember when I coached at Mississippi State, it, you know, before a game, it's kind of a big deal. You want to win. You want to win, you know, and it would be great to say, hey, listen, you're going to win. You know, just don't worry. You're going to win. It's great to know you can't lose. Now, let me ask you something. A lot of you may have never heard of Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott uh, was a missionary that with four other guys, they went to the Alka Indians in South America in the 50s, and they were killed. And uh, there's a book called Through Gates of Splendor, which is the, basically the life of Jim Elliott. If you've never read that book... It's one of the best books I've ever read, and he's one of the great lives. But he, he was a great man, but he was married to his wife, Elizabeth, and they were going to have a, a baby. They were going to have a daughter, and so they wanted to, to what are they going to name the baby? So Elizabeth wanted one thing, and, and uh, Jim wanted another thing. So he said, okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll write the names on pieces of paper. We'll put them down in a hat, and you can draw it out, Elizabeth, and whichever one you draw out, that'll be the name. So... He put the pieces of paper in there and gave it to Elizabeth, and she said, okay. And so she drew it out, and it was the name Jim wanted. And he got all excited. He said, that's the one name I wanted. Later on, he told her that he wrote the same name on both pieces of paper, right? Okay. He told her afterwards. See, he knew he couldn't lose. And, and, and as you look at the book of Esther, guess what? Jews can't lose. They're not going to lose. We look at it, and if you look at it, humanly speaking, you say, oh, man, this decree is going to go out and it's going to kill all the Jews, and we don't know what's going to happen. And, boy, if they kill all the Jews, what we know about the Scripture, if we really know, then how's there going to be a Messiah and a Savior? And this is important, even though God's not even mentioned in the book, and most people don't even know what these books are about, and yet it is that important. But what we see is God is protecting them. God said, I will bless those that what? bless you and I will curse those that curse you. That's his people, beginning with Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and the 12 sons and on down to those people. That people group is God's chosen people. We're not talking about salvation. They're chosen for service. They're chosen for a particular thing that God has for those people, that people group, and that one of it was to bring the Messiah. And that's why he's going to protect his people. The Word of God tells me and you we cannot lose. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, guess what? You have eternal life. You can go to the back of the book. We win. 
we win. You can see. And so we're not going to lose. We can say, look, I know. I know that I've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. I have eternal life. I will be with him for all eternity. This morning, we're going to see God's providence and his protection as the decrees go out on the 13th day of the 12th month. And by the way, what time of that? You know, when we say 13th day of 12th month, it doesn't mean anything, but that's about March, April. And so it's coming up very soon to the Feast of Purim, which this, from this book, the Jewish people celebrate a feast called Purim. And uh, next week, I'm going to bring you some information about Purim and maybe some slides that uh, show some great things about the Feast of Purim so that you can see the Jews celebrate it to this day. Coming from this book, this actually happened. This is true stuff. So we're going to see. Now, last time we realized that Haman had been put to death, hanged up on the gallows. Remember when we said gallows, it doesn't mean like a rope around his neck. It means impaled on a, on a big pole. So they killed him. But that didn't mean the decree wasn't still in effect because the law of the Medes and the Persians cannot be changed. So they had to write another law. So Mordecai, the king gave Mordecai his ring and said, you write another decree and we'll send it out. And the decree was the Jewish people could defend themselves. This all happened in the third month. It is now going to be the 12th month. So nine months have passed since all of this has been happening, and we'll see what happens. Look at Esther chapter 9, look at verse 1. Now in the 12th month, that is the month of Adair, on the 13th day when the king's command and edict were about to be executed, on the day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, it was turned to the contrary, so that the Jews themselves gained the mastery over those who hated them. Well, this is D-Day. Death to the Jews. This is D-Day. And what was going to happen is it gone through the, basically uh, the winter, and now they're in the spring. It's going to come out in the spring. The edicts are out there. And there's, there's two decrees. One, death to the Jews. There's a decree on the 13th day of the 12th month that anyone can attack and kill the Jews, kill them and plunder them, take all their stuff, annihilate them, women, children, men, anybody. But another decree went out, and it's bringing life to the Jews because they could assemble, defend, and plunder. If anybody came after them, they could kill those people and get their stuff. All happens on the side. Do you figure there's going to be a war? You figure there's going to be, what's going to happen on the 13th day of the 12th month? There are going to be some real problems. Now, let me tell you something. We saw last week a comparison. Two decrees have gone out for us. There's a decree that says, the soul that sins shall die. The wages of sin is what? Death. Anybody sin in here? We've all sinned, and what do we owe God? Death. The wages of sin is death. Every, the decree has gone out that brings death to every person. That's all of us. But another decree has gone out that gives life, because God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whoever does what? Believes. When you believe in Jesus Christ, he gives you life, not death, but life. Those who don't believe will experience the second death and be separated from God forever. That's the first decree. Those who believe in Jesus Christ will get the second decree, which is believing in Jesus and getting eternal life. So this decrees are going out in the book of Esther. Decree has gone out in our lives. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that you have put your faith in Christ as your Savior, as He gives you eternal life.
Well, the enemies were hoping, okay, we're going to go and attack the Jews, but it says that it actually was the opposite. It was to the contrary, that the Jews themselves gained the mastery. Look at verse 2. The Jews assembled in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm. Jews weren't going and looking for these people. The people were coming and looking for the Jews. No one could stand before them, for the dread of them had fallen on all the peoples. It was turned to the contrary. It, it's amazing that it went from destruction to deliverance, from, from being the victim the Jews went from being the victim to being the victor. It's an amazing thing. Listen, has this ever happened before? Let's think about modern Israel for a second. 1948, the Jewish people become a nation for the first time since A.D. 70. A.D. 70, temple was destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed. Jews scattered all over the world. Never stopped being Jews. Never stopped being God's people. And in 1948, a small little area of land, the Jews came back together, which we call Israel. In the early 50s, there was a war in the Suez. In 1967, there was another war. In 1973, there was the Yom Kippur War. And then later on, and now we've had the couple of the Gaza Wars. But let me tell you, do you know what happened in 1967? Five Arab nations attacked Israel. It's called the Six-Day War. Because in six days, the Jews defeated all five of the enemies. Listen to this. This is from Life magazine. Astounding was the only word for it. In 60 hours, the war that exploded in the Middle East became a fact of history. Tiny Israel stood in the role of the victor over the surrounding Arab nations that had vowed to exterminate her. So swiftly did Israel mount her assault that her adversaries were deprived of the means of winning almost before the world awakened to the fact that there was a war in progress. It's called the Six-Day War. They won the war six days. I had a friend that flew in the war, that flew a jet in the war. His name was Abishai bin Parah. He said that they timed it, that every jet left at different times so that every bomb would be dropped on the five Arab nations at exactly the same time. They wiped out all of Egypt's army in the Sinai in a matter of minutes. Does God protect his people? I'll bless those that... Bless you, I will curse those that curse you. This is what happens this day. That day, God is protecting his people. It goes back to this. Next slide. And the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to bless you. The Messiah is going to come through you. He actually promised the next slide, I think, says he was going to give them a land, a seed, and a blessing. And he said, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. That has been in effect since the days of Abraham. Abraham lived 2,000 years before Jesus, so it's over 4,000 years that God has protected his people. Now, God has made us promises. See, he promised them protection. He promised they would be his people. In fact, he said, as long as there are stars and moons and clouds and everything, you will always be my people. He said to us, promises. God says, God who made promises who cannot lie, uh, promised eternal life. Let me show you some things he promised us. He promised us eternal life. He said, the moment you believe in me, what does, I, what, what does he give you the moment you believe? That's a promise. The moment you believe, you have eternal life. He said, I've gone to prepare a place for you, and when I come back, I'm going I'm to have a home for you. He said, I'm going to make a new body. One of these days, he's going to come into clouds. He's going to change this body, our body, just like his glorious body. He says, I have an inheritance for you that is undefiled, cannot be taken away, and I'm, I'm going to give you the power to live even while you're down here. That's just five things. I could have written a hundred things up there that he has promised us. 
So hold on to the promises that God has given. Well, look what happened. Verse 2. The Jews assembled in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm. No one could stand before them, for the dread of them had fallen on the peoples. They assembled to, to lay hands, and, and people were coming after them, and they were defeating them. It, it looked like there was going to be open season on the Jews, but now the Jews could defend themselves. And God always gives the victory, especially when we trust in Him. What does he tell us? He says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, look what happened. They had some help. Even all the princes of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, those who were doing the king's business, assisted the Jews because of the dread of Mordecai had fallen on them. Indeed, Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces, for the man Mordecai became greater and greater and greater. Well, what happened is, people out there began to realize, especially leaders in all of these 127 provinces of the, of the Medo-Persian Empire, uh, they're saying, wait a minute, we, uh, we better stand on the side of the Jews because the, the king's right-hand man is Jewish, Mordecai. In fact, as you look at this slide, they said, we want to be on the side that was to their advantage. And I want you to understand that. These leaders, they said, Mordecai's pretty powerful. We better help defend the Jews. So they were standing for the Jews. But, but some people do what's right or do what they choose to do because they think it's to their advantage. And we see a lot of times that, that people... Um, they don't, they don't even know what to believe anymore because they say, well, if these people believe this, that might help me if I connect with them. Or if these people believe this. I mean, I've seen politicians say, you know, I used to believe this, but more of my people out here believe this, so I'm going to switch over to believing that. Listen, do we stand for what we believe, what we know is right, based on the Word of God? It doesn't matter what the whole world says. If everybody said salvation isn't by faith, we're not changing Salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone. It doesn't matter what everybody else says. And a whole bunch of other people say other things. We're not changing. We're going to stand for what we believe, and that's what we have to do. I think of college people. Boy, you guys, it's so tough. You go on a campus that nobody wants to believe anything. And, I mean, everybody wants to accept what you believe. If you believe what you believe, that you're the ones made fun of. Christianity can be made fun of. Nothing else can be. And you have to stand for Jesus Christ in a fallen world. And same for those in the offices and businesses and all of those things. Well, let's see what happened. Verse 5. Thus the Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying, and they did what pleased what they pleased to those who hated them. Notice, hated them. Have you ever wondered why so many people hate the Jews? Why? Are they bad people? They're good people. They're God's people. See, in a fallen world that's controlled by Satan, Satan hates anything with God. The Jewish people are God's chosen people, and at this time, the Messiah hadn't come yet. And so God's people are always hated. You realize that when you stand for Jesus Christ, he said, if they hated me, they'll what? They'll hate you. You're going to be hated too. When you stand for Christ, now, if you don't stand for Christ, they're not going to hate you. They don't care. But if you stand for Christ and say, this is what I believe and this is what's right, there'll be people make fun of you and they will hate you. And there's a difference here in this passage. Notice what it says. The Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. Notice, hated, enemies hated, Jews defended. It goes on to say, at the citadel in Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed. How many people? 500. And it's, by the way, not people, 500 men. 
men. Jews killed 500 men in the capital city. Realize the Jews are not the aggressors. They're defending themselves against an enemy that's come after them. Then in verses 7, 8, and 9, as the verses read a while ago, that's the ten sons of Haman, and it says that they kill them as well. And it goes on and says, The ten sons of Haman, verse 10, the son of Hamethah, the Jews, enemy, but they did not lay hand on their plunder. Now this is something that's a little unique. In the first decree, the people had the right to kill the Jews and take all their possessions. In the second decree, the Jews had the right to kill their enemies and take all their possessions. But you're going to read all the way through this that when the Jews killed their enemies, they did not take their possessions. The Jews weren't trying to gain things. They were just defending themselves. Look at the king's report. On that day, the number of those who were killed at the citadel in Susa was reported to the king. The king said to Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and the ten sons of Haman at the citadel in Susa. What then? Have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your petition? It shall be granted to you. What is your further request? It shall also be done. Now the, the, there was, it was reported to the king that 500 men had been killed and the ten sons of Haman. He makes a statement. If they've done that here, what have they done throughout the 127 provinces of the Medo-Persian Empire? You know what they did? They killed 75,000 people. 75,000 people tried to kill the Jews, and the Jews killed them. Now, notice he says something that's a little strange. He just got through saying all that, and then he looks at her and says, Now, what is your petition? It shall be granted to you. What is your further request? It shall be done. Now, he's asking her, uh, What else do you want? What else do you need? He, he senses she wants something else. What's going to happen? See, I think she realizes that it's not over. Even though in this capital city, 500 men have been killed, the 10 sons of Haman have been killed, but she thinks there are other people out there wanting to kill the Jews. She thinks there is. And she's going to make a request. In fact, look at verse 13. She says, Then Esther said, If it pleases the king, let tomorrow also be granted to the Jews who are in Susa to do according to the edict of today and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. She says, We need to do this again tomorrow. We need to have another day to defend ourselves. And before we think about that, she, the king is saying, What do you want? You have the right to come to me and ask for whatever you want. You realize that we have the same privilege with our God? We have the right to approach the living God anytime, place, anywhere, about anything. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 4, Come boldly to the throne of grace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He says, let your requests be made known because Jesus Christ has died for us, because Jesus Christ is our advocate and our intercessor, because Jesus Christ is the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. We can come boldly to the throne of grace anytime, anyplace, anywhere, about anything to our God. The only basis we have to approach, to approach our God and Savior is Jesus Christ. We can't just approach God. We can approach God because Jesus has gone before us and he is our intercessor. So come boldly. Lift up any request, anytime, any place, anywhere, about anything. 
Well, look what she requests. Verse 13, Then Esther said, If it pleases the king, let tomorrow also be granted to the Jews who are in Susa to do according to the edict of today, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. Look what it says here. Well, here's what we need. We need a second day to defend ourselves, and I'd like to hang Haman's ten sons on gallows. Now, what did he mean? They're already dead. She wants them taken, put on poles, impaled on the poles, and put out where everybody can see that Haman's ten sons are sticking up on poles where everybody can see it. She wants people to realize that if you come against the Jews, there are going to be consequences. Look what it says. Verse 13, Esther said, If it pleases the king, let tomorrow be granted to the Jews who are in Susa to do according to the edict of today, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded that it should be done so. And an edict was issued. The edict was the Jews have the right to defend themselves on the 14th day of the 12th month. And Haman's ten sons were hanged. Wow. I've read some things and people saying the Jewish people were just bloodthirsty. They just wanted to kill more and more people. They're, they're not bloodthirsty at all. They're not going after people. They're defending themselves. She must have known something because we're going to see what happens in the next verse. She said, I think we need another day to defend ourselves. So the king commanded that it should be done and an edict was issued in Susa and Haman's ten sons were hanged. Watch what happened. The Jews were in Susa, in Susa, assembled on the 14th day of the month, Adair, and killed 300 men in Susa, but they did not lay hand on their plunder. Look, the next day, the next day, the Jews living in the capital assembled the next day on the 14th, and they killed 300 more. That's 800 men in two days in the capital. She knew something, 300 more, at least 300 more people were killed coming after them. Now, one thing about this, it doesn't mention any Jewish people being killed. It's amazing. The Jews are in Susa assembled on the 14th day. They assembled on the 13th day and killed 500 people. They assembled on the 14th day and killed 300 people. But once again, they did not lay hands on their plunder. Listen, the enemy never stops. You have an enemy. You know that. See, when you align with Jesus Christ, when you believe in Him, and you have eternal life, and you're placed in Christ, and you become a child of God, and you're a saint, and you're living for Jesus Christ, you've got enemies. And never stops. Look at this. Uh, um, yeah, there. And never rest. Who's our enemy? The, you think the devil's not your enemy? He's a roaring lion seeking who may devour you. He is looking for anything he could do to take you down. And he's got a whole host of angels with him. We call them demons. And they are looking for anything they can do to influence. They control the fallen world system. And they would do anything they can to get us. You have an enemy and he is more evil than you could ever imagine. You can't even imagine the evilness. You, you're not evil enough to even imagine how evil he is. Because we're evil. We're fallen people. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, inside of me... A man who wants to do good, evil is present. We're fallen people. But we're not even evil enough to realize how evil Satan is. He is that bad. And we got the flesh. The flesh is a natural bent to sin. It's inside of us. All of us have it. We'll have it to the day that God changes his body. Even as a child of God, we have the, the desire to do right, but we still have the desire to do wrong. And it never lets up. Never lets up. You have an enemy, two enemies there, that will never stop for as long as you're alive on this earth. 
It's like they were enemies to the Jews that never want to stop. So what happened? In the capital, they assembled on two days, the 13th and the 14th, to defend themselves. Notice they did not plunder. Now watch, we get the information about what had happened. The rest of the Jews who lived in the king's provinces assembled to defend themselves and rid themselves of their enemies and killed 75,000 of those who hated them, but they did not lay hands on their plunder. Listen, it doesn't matter. All the way through, they didn't take people's possessions. They killed those who were trying to kill them. Notice there's a little summary here. This was done on the 13th day of the month of Adair, and on the 14th day they rested and made it a feast, a day of feasting and rejoicing. So what I want you to see, that they, the people in the rest of the provinces, did, did the battle on the 13th, and then on the 14th they rested. But the people in Susa, they had to fight on the 13th and the 14th, and then what? Then they rested on the 15th. And watch what happens. Now, I want you to realize that in this thing, Jews killed only those who attacked them. The Jews killed only men, and they did not plunder. Now here's the contrast. Look at verse 18. But the Jews who were in Susa assembled on the 13th and the 14th day of the same month, and they rested on the 15th day and made it a day of feasting and rejoicing. Therefore the Jews of the rural areas, not in the city of Susa, who live in the rural towns, they make the 14th day of the month of Adair a holiday for rejoicing and feasting and sending portions of food to one another. So here's what we got. The Jews in, in Susa assembled on the 13th and 14th and rested on the 15th, and that's their feasting and rejoicing. The people out in the country did the fighting on the, thir on the 13th and rested on the 14th. So you got two rest days. So what do you think is going to happen? Jewish people are going to come back under Mordecai, and we're going to see it, and they're going to say, let's do this. On the 14th and the 15th day of the month of Adair, because the people in the country rested on the 14th, and the people in the city rested on the 15th, let's rest on both days. Let's have a party on both days. Let's remember what God has done for us. And they're going to call this, and we're going to see it all next week, they're going to call it the Feast of Purim, which goes back to the word lots, because Haman cast lots to destroy the Jews, and this is a feast. And I'm going to tell you that I used to get the Jerusalem Post. It's a newspaper that comes straight from Jerusalem, and uh, every Purim, they have pictures in there, and people dress up, and it's almost like Halloween. It's almost like our Halloween, how people dress up and be characters. In Israel, they dress up on the Feast of Purim. And they give candy and they have parties and they go around for two days because they remember that God protected their people. And that's what we see. So uh, you find that uh, at the Feast of Purim, and I think we'll see it here, the next slide, the Jews out of the city assembled on the 13th and rested on the 14th. And so what we find is a celebration, I think, I think the next slide, I think it does it, the, at the beginning of the Feast of Purim and the casting of lots and, and all this, and it's celebrated on two days. You can throw this next one up there. Uh, 14th and the 15th, they became days of rest. And we'll see it later on when we look next week. So let's think what's happened. God has protected his people. And the decree that was going to kill all Jews, a second decree went out to defend themselves, and they killed 800 people in the city and killed the sin, ten sons of Haman. They killed 75,000 people in the 175 province, uh, the 170 provinces, uh, 27 provinces, and they did all of that, and God protected his people. Do you think he'll protect you? Do you think he'll take care of you? Do you belong to him? You've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Do you think God will protect you? Think about this application. 
God will always fulfill His promises. You have to trust Him. We have to trust the Word of God. He will do what He says. Listen to this. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. God who cannot lie promised eternal life. Romans chapter 4 that whatever He has promised, He is able to do. Whatever God says He can do and He has made promises to us about our salvation, about our eternal life, about our new bodies, about the kingdom, about the future. Promises every promises every day. That's why you must dig the Word of God so you can know the promises. The promises that are us. So you can make application. Listen to this. You have to trust Him. He cannot make a mistake. I mean, it's a fallen world, and there are bad things that happen. But they're not mistakes. God doesn't go, oh, I didn't want that to happen. That's not the way it works. God allows things. He does what is best, and He will work things for good. You have a decree, two of them. One that says you're supposed to die because you're a sinner, and I'm a sinner. But we have another decree that says you can have life through Jesus Christ, simply by faith alone in Christ. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that not one of you is going to walk out this door today saying, boy, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I hope every one of you can say, I'm going to heaven because I have believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior, and He has given me eternal life. Second, come boldly to God for help. You can come boldly to the throne of grace, just like Esther could go to the king and say, we need another day. You can go to God anytime, anyplace, anywhere, about anything. I read this quote, it said, most of our troubles come from too much time on our hands and not enough time on our knees. And it's really true. Look at this quote. G. Campbell Morgan. It said, do you think we ought to pray about, somebody asked G. Campbell Morgan, do you think we ought to pray about even the little things in our life? He answers, can you think of anything in our lives that's big to God? Everything's little to God, right? Nothing's impossible to God. He can do anything, anything, anytime, anyplace, anywhere, as long as it doesn't violate his character or his promises. So we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And finally, let's stand for what's right. We saw people defending the Jews, but we don't know whether they're doing it because they knew it was the right thing or because they knew Mordecai was so powerful and they wanted to be on the side of the king. We need to do what's right, whether the world's for it or not. We need to do what the scripture says. We need to stand for what is right. We must stand for truth and right, no matter what others say or do.